welcome to another episode of Two-Eyed Seeing. Great to have you all back. Today we're going to be talking about something very near and dear to my heart and I just had a recent conversation with a patient about this and it really sparked my desire to talk about it. And what that is, is BMI or commonly known as the body mass index. And we're going to go into this in some depth. So if you have issues with uh, body image and things like that, you may find this really, really interesting to listen to. Hello, Sago, and welcome. You're listening to Two-Eyed Seeing, bridging the Western and Indigenous understanding of health, healing, and life. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Connors, naturopathic doctor and birth doula and knowledge seeker of Mohawk and European ancestry. Each week, I will be bringing you information about health and wellness from both perspectives so we can learn and grow together as we journey through life on this place we call Earth and Turtle Island. Okay, so we are... As I mentioned, we're getting into the nitty-gritty about the BMI, or the Body Mass Index, today. The reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is because it's so misunderstood, and the depth that it has reached in medical science and personal medical health and, and understanding our health is a little bit crazy when you recognize where it's actually coming from. The history of the BMI is really interesting and something that I actually didn't know until recently is it technically has a very racist history in terms of how it was developed and yet it is one of our main indicators for personal health and personal wellness in the physician's office and in how certain clinical decisions are made every day in terms of our overall health is based off of BMI. That's why I felt this conversation was so important to have was so that for those of you out there who are larger, um, have larger bodies, I totally understand where you're coming from because I have spent a large part of my life fitting in the overweight category. And so I totally know where you're, where you're coming from and I understand your frustration because I share your frustration. And as I alluded to in the intro to this episode, I was recently speaking to a patient about this because she was so frustrated with her current uh, situation and it was all hinging on BMI. Just this one simple number made her personal healthcare journey more complicated and truthfully very, very emotionally upsetting because she was being told and explained that the next steps in her health were dependent on her BMI. Our conversation started around this and this is what really pushed me to have this this chat with you today about where BMI actually comes from. So I already mentioned how it has a very racist past and this is entirely true because when it was developed about 200 years ago, it was created by scientist Adolphe Quetelet. I may be saying that incorrectly, but that's my best my best attempt at that. And he actually studied a number of different sciences. So he studied astronomy, mathematics, statistics, and sociology. Notice how I did not mention that he was a physician, nor did he study medicine to the best of our knowledge. 
He was actually best known for his sociological work, and this was predominantly focused on identifying what he termed l'homme moyen, which translates, that would be the French, it translates to the average man. And that was his focus in terms of figuring out what that kind of social ideal was really about. And so he was obviously, you can kind of guess from that, being about 200 years ago, he was focused on a Western European population when he was doing this this research. He was actually trying to come up with different measures to figure out the possible implications for criminology. So that's the science of criminals and criminal behavior, for those of you who don't know what criminology is. So just I just want to pause there for a second to just take that in. So one of our key health indicators to this day, its main reason and how it came about was actually nothing to do originally with our health. Okay, so I just I want you to keep that in mind as we continue to go forward with this. So he developed that the predominant people that he was actually looking at and studying were white European men. Okay, so he did not include um, people of color. He did not include women. He did not include majority of the population in developing this tool. Okay, so this is where BMI starts from. Okay, and it just <laughs> gets quote unquote better. And in other words, it gets arguably worse from there. So this really has some interesting implications, especially for those of us who are non-male and non-white, right? That's huge. It's absolutely huge. And so what this actually ends up meaning, and this is where the research is going, and there's been recent research to show this, that because of this over-reliance on BMI as being what I call the be-all and end-all in some of these uh, decisions, especially when we're talking to patients who are deemed as quote-unquote overweight, obese, and supremely obese, is it's actually being harmful to their overall health. So that's the other reason why I really want to talk about this, because this is just one example of where a measure that was never intended for this purpose is having harmful side effects for people's health, in particular, people of color and women as well. Like we're just completely underrepresented with this. And so this is where it got started. And then from there, it was used as a measure of fitness to parent. It was used as a scientific justification for eugenics. For those who aren't familiar with what eugenics is, that's the systematic, the systematic sterilization of individuals who are considered undesirables in a population at that time. So people that were disabled, people that would have fallen on what we now know as the autistic spectrum, immigrants, people who were, you know, lower socioeconomic status, and then of course, people of color. And it just grew from there. And it was never intended. And that's, that's the, to me, that's almost the supreme irony of it is that it was never actually intended, even by the inventor, to be used as a way of measuring individual health. He actually, his intention was 
for it to measure populations so we could track populations over time and in an area, but never for the specific purpose of measuring individual health. I just really want that to sink in here because then it really helps to kind of quantify the question and help us understand why we need to have more discussions around BMI and how BMI is used and really urging our policymakers to look at other tools for assessing individualized health because it just keeps going from there. From there, U.S. life insurance companies have compiled uh, BMI charts in order to make decisions around whether someone qualified for healthcare or not, for a life insurance policy or not. And generally speaking, that was also hugely flawed. They would collect weight and height by self-reporting. They would have these kind of rough charts and then include frame size. There's, it just ended up being a big, ended up becoming really, if you look at it in detail, basically a bigger mess is, and then from there, the, what ended up happening is then BMI, much, many of these charts that the insurance companies were using started getting incorporated into what the physicians were using in their offices as well. And so this started to really make that transition point around the 1950s and 1960s. And then come 1970s, there was a team that was on the hunt for more effective measures of weight. But unfortunately, again, <laughs> they came to similar conclusions to the original inventor of the BMI <laughs> and essentially ended up coming to the conclusion that, again, BMI was probably our, our, our best go-to as it was relatively satisfactory. And this is actually a little quote I found online <laughs> from that particular study, which said, Again, the body mass index proves to be, if not fully satisfactory, at least as good as any other relative weight index as an indicator of relative obesity. Still, if density is truly and closely inversely proportional to body fatness, not more than half of the total variance of body fatness is accounted for by the regression of fatness on the body mass index. So they looked at a couple different measures. I won't go into all of them, but the fact that they still ended up finding from that, and, and to be fair, that even their study was flawed. Again, they looked at predominantly men of white descent again. So United States, Finland, Italy. They did look at a couple individuals in Japan and South Africa, but again, it was a very, very small number of the men <laughs> looked at in their studies. So again, as women, we're completely left out of that altogether. In terms of figuring out a tool that's going to be used and applied to all of us with zero exceptions, basically, is how it's been applied in most cases today. And the other thing that's really, really interesting is that from a diagnostic perspective for obesity, even in as recently as 2011 in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they found that BMI detected less than 50%. Yeah, less than 50% of 
of obesity cases in black, white, and Hispanic women. Just want that to sink in for a second. Putting all these pieces together, how on earth is it possible that we still, to this day, use body mass index as such a strong indicator for individual health? I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place. It's not a potentially useful indicator for studying populations and looking at populations. But considering that this is still considered one of the main definitive tools in identifying obesity and from there determining individuals' next steps in terms of their health, this is huge. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and I've said this for years. I've honestly said this for years. I almost always say to my patients, take your BMI reading with a grain of salt because it isn't the be all and end all. There's so many other pieces to look at and I strongly urge you both in your own personal health and anyone in terms of your, your doctor, policymakers, anyone like that that you can speak to, we really need to be urging them to look at other measures because those of us who are not men and not white this has huge implications for us. And these are the things that we really need to be looking at. The other one that was really, really interesting to me is, and this is kind of the turning point as far as the history of the BMI and the use of it, is that it was back in 1998 that the National Institute of Health changed their definitions of overweight and obese substantially. And that included lowering the threshold to be considered medically fat. So <laughs> there was a really interesting um, article in CNN and the tagline that they wrote was millions of Americans become fat on Wednesday, even if they didn't gain a pound. And this is because of these changes to the, to the definition of what defines someone as overweight and obese. So yes, are we dealing with some really big problems in terms of obesity and overweight and diabetes? Yeah, of course, this is a huge problem and this is a huge challenge for, for our health and within our indigenous communities, um, we've seen huge rates of diabetes and that is a really alarming concern alarming problem. We need to be looking at these things. We need to be thinking about these things. However, we can look at diabetes and treat diabetes without BMI being the be all and the end all. That is what I'm arguing for. I remember from the time I was a teenager, my doctor was continuously harping on me because my BMI kept going up and up and up. And I remember walking out of her office every single time feeling less than, feeling shamed, feeling like I didn't matter because according to that stupid number, I was less than. There was something wrong with me because I was overweight and heading in the direction of being categorized as obese. And eventually I did hit that. 
and I haven't checked my BMI in a long time because to be frank I just really don't use it and there's so many other things I look at and focus on as a naturopath uh, with my patients in terms of things that we can measure like your blood glucose levels, your hemoglobin A1c which is the marker that we look at in terms of how glycosylated so that's how many little bits of sugar are stuck to each of your blood cells you know the your hip to waist ratio all of these things are other things we can look at and have a conversation around that does not include shaming people into thinking that there's something wrong with them because of one number that isn't even all that accurate to begin with and is coming from a very sexist and racist place in terms of its development and how it's been maintained. And on top of that, how that is fueling medical mismanagement of these patients' care. And we all know that weight is a huge, tough thing to tackle, um, and we have to be thinking of it from a multidisciplinary and a multifaceted perspective. But in my opinion, <laughs> BMI is either to be left out or to be treated as a very small aspect of influencing how we quantify health, how we quantify weight and overweight and obesity, and how that factors into making health decisions for individual patients. That's the part that I really, really hope that we can start to have a fuller conversation around is the fact that it is not the be-all and end-all, as I've mentioned a few times in this episode, and to really start to look at how we can integrate other pieces that are more accurate and do not include all these other problems that we've talked about in this episode that are so apparent in the body mass index and how it's applied in so many different ways in today's medical medical settings. And I know it probably sounds like I'm kind of going off on a bit of a, a tangent here, but a combination of my own personal experience with this and struggling with weight and being on a weight journey myself and working with people who are on weight journeys, have been on weight journeys, this needs to change. And knowing that it also has increased risk for misdiagnosis and mistreatment for women, for women of color, and just for individuals of color in general. Um, and, and that includes our, our indigenous communities as well in that we're generally misclassified and overestimated in terms of the risk. And we really need to be looking at fuller measures and really understanding where where this comes from and how we can actually dispel these myths and these misinterpretations and really start to understand this from a more multifaceted perspective like I mentioned and that way we can actually help people to reach a healthy place for their health and not continue to make people feel less than and shamed and marginalized because of the number on the scale. So I hope that 
really helped some of you who are frustrated and have felt that BMI was following you around like, like a terrible shadow for so much of your life. I really do sympathize with you and I hope that this helps you to realize that it isn't all there is when it comes to assessing your health and really starting to encourage you to look at it from other perspectives and understanding that we need to be having these conversations so that we can really start to shift and change how we deal with not only body mass index but um, similar issues like this where things have been done a certain way for so long and we don't even stop to look where did it come from what's its basis and is it actually based in health and science to continue to do things this way so i will leave it there for today <laughs> hopefully i didn't scare anybody too bad by getting really passionate about this but i am very passionate about this topic I only want the best for all of you, and that's always where I've come from. So if you have questions about this, comments about this, please do share them with me. I hope to continue to bring content to you that is helpful and all of those sorts of things. So I appreciate you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Stay healthy out there and take care of each other. Thank you, Nyawa for listening to Two-Eyed Seeing. Leave me a comment, and if you feel called to, please leave a review at iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions about the episode or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please reach out to me at www.sarahconnorsnd.com.